You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, author of Working Like Dogs, and my co-host is my service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. We don't have a guest. Um, it's going to be me. And I have a lot of information that from my experiences of having a service dog. And I've been receiving so many emails and phone calls from so many of our listeners that today I thought I would just share some of my experiences with you and just give you some really basic information about assistance dogs. So we're going to take a quick pause and get some information from our loyal sponsors. And we'll be right back after these messages to talk more about assistance dogs. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. Get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From speed drawing and mushing to racing, agility, and competition. This is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. 
I'm Marcy Davis and my co-host Whistle are here today to visit with you about our favorite subject, assistance dogs. And we'd love to talk about assistance dogs and give you some information and share some of our experiences. I've had an assistance dog since Gosh, way back in 1993 is when I got my first dog, Ramona, and she was a black lab, and she was half lab, half golden retriever, and it really changed my life when I got my first dog um, in ways that I really had never imagined, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, about what assistance dogs are, what's kind of the history, and and how do they come into being. Most assistance dog tasks really fall into three categories, and that's basic obedience, service tasks, and public access. And these dogs are trained to help individuals with all different types of disabilities to accomplish a lot of different Physical tasks is what I think about when I think about what my dog does for me. Things like answering the phone, retrieving things that I might drop, because as a person who uses a wheelchair, I don't have great physical balance. So my service dog, Whistle, can pick up something as small as a dime, and he can also do things like carry bags of groceries for me, so things that are much heavier. Um, Assistance dogs also alert their person to physical problems. Um, For example, whenever if I'm going to fall or if I need help, Whistle is trained to go and find my husband Franz somewhere in our house. If Franz is in the kitchen and I'm in the bathroom, Whistle can run, go get Franz and bring him to me and tell him that I need assistance. They can also do things like helping their person that they're with cross streets, negotiate stairways and elevators, and we see this really in guide dogs for people who are blind or who have low vision. Um, and then they can also do other cool stuff like alerting someone who has who's deaf or who has low hearing abilities. They can alert them to a doorbell ringing, to a baby crying. So just lots of daily tasks that a lot of people take for granted, but for someone with a physical disability, it can really, an assistance dog can, can really change your life as my dogs have changed my life. There's just no question about that. So let's talk a little bit more about the types of assistance dogs. Um, the most common are guide dogs, as I said, for people who are blind, service dogs, um, hearing alert, and seizure alert and seizure response dogs. And all of those different types of dogs really fall under the umbrella of assistance dogs. So let's talk about those a little more specifically. A guide dog, that's a dog that assists people who are blind or who have low vision. And that dog can lead these individuals around physical obstacles and to destinations such as seating, crossing streets, entering or exiting doorways, elevators, and stairways. And the really cool thing about guide dogs is that they make decisions. Guide dogs actually assess a situation and help their person to get someplace safely, which is really amazing. The whole, the whole concept of a guide dog just really, it just, 
I'm such in awe of that, that the dog can help make decisions and help the person who can't see what's in their environment and what obstacles might be there. The guide dog really helps the person to navigate those and to be an independent individual out in both in their home and out in the world. A service dog is a dog that assists someone with mobility limitations like myself. And a service dog can do things like retrieve and carry items, open doors and drawers, push buttons, um, and also assist a person with walking, balance, dressing, transferring from place to place, pulling a wheelchair, and just assisting with all kinds of household chores, such as putting things in and out of a washer or dryer, you know, just lots of of physical things, again, that a person with mobility limitations may need. And then there's the hearing alert dogs, and those dogs alert people with a hearing loss or people who are deaf to the presence of specific sounds, such as doorbells, telephones, crying babies, sirens, um, another person, buzzing timers or sensors, you know, just all kinds of things, including knocks at a door or smoke alarms, fire alarms, um, or a clock going off. So all different types of sounds are, are what hearing alert dogs can alert their person about. And then the other type is seizure alert or seizure response dogs. And these types of assistance dogs alert or respond to medical conditions such as heart attack, stroke, diabetes, epilepsy, panic attacks, anxiety attacks, post-traumatic stress, and seizures. So it's just really amazing that these dogs can identify when their person is about to have one of these um, seizures or medical conditions, and they can actually take action to help their person to get into a state where they are lying down or sitting down where they're much safer. So those are really the four different types of assistance dogs. And it's really amazing because dogs have been helping humans for years and years. I mean, it goes all the way back in in our history in time. But I think from my work and my research, when that was really first noted and documented in history was way back in the 18th century where dogs have been documented as helping individuals with vision loss and they help them with their mobility. But it was really Morris Frank and that was an individual who was blind who got the first guide dog from a lady by the name of Dorothy Harrison Eudis and that was way back in the early 1900s in the 1920s. Morris Frank was the first guy to establish the first dog school. It was a guide dog school in Nashville, Tennessee and this was way back in 1929. This was the first documented guide dog school and it was called the Seeing Eye. Now in the 1970s, back in 1974, it was Dr. Bonnie Bergen who developed tasks and command structures that were the first service dogs. And she was actually over in the Middle East, and she saw donkeys actually helping people with disabilities and giving them mobility assistance. And she had the idea back in the early 70s after witnessing these 
donkeys help people with disabilities that she came up with the idea and came back to the United States and started training dogs to assist individuals with disabilities, which are termed service dogs. So, you know, it was back in the 70s that Dr. Bergen was working with people with disabilities, and she actually founded Canine Companions for Independence as one of the first service dog agencies in the United States. So people started learning about the possibility of using service dogs to assist them with their disability limitations. But it was really in the 1990s, in 1990, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, that these service dogs were really defined and they were given legal rights under the ADA. And the ADA actually gives a legal definition for assistance dogs and defines them as any dog that has been individually trained to provide assistance or to perform tasks for the benefit of a person with a physical or mental disability that substantially limits one or more of life's major functions. So that's really when the ADA defined assistance dogs and said that they're not pets, that they actually are assistive devices that are listed under the ADA. And some states define assistance dogs in their state laws. They also, some states will address puppies being trained and give them access. But it's really the federal protection under the ADA that's expanded the rights of individuals with disabilities to be accompanied by their assistance dog in public places. And so that was just amazing that that law was passed and really changed things for persons with disabilities and how we interact and have public access with our dogs. So we're going to take a quick break. I know I'm giving you a lot of information and we're talking about my favorite subject. So it's, it's hard for me to take a break because I want to keep talking. But we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk more about the assistance dog life cycle and how a dog goes from being a puppy to being a full-grown service dog. So we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors and we'll be back after these short messages. So please come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. No, it's true. I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's fine. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? 
Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're talking today about assistance dogs and about the history of them and, and what is really assistance dog and what's the life cycle of an assistance dog. You know, I'm just amazed at how these animals are, are go from these little puppies that are just the most adorable balls of fur into being these amazing, confident, working service dogs. And it, it's just really cool how most agencies, and, and agencies are different in how they do this, but most of the agencies actually have a breeding program where they breed their own puppies that they can use and train to become working dogs. A lot of other agencies use dogs from shelters. That's becoming more common where actually shelter dogs are used. And shelter dogs are used for service dogs, for all the different types of dogs that we've been talking about today. But one of the best ones that they can be used for are the hearing alert dogs because the hearing alert dogs really don't have to have the physical requirements that the service dogs may need to have because in order to pull a wheelchair or in order to help someone transfer from a bed to a wheelchair or to another sitting area, you have to have some physical capabilities that the dogs really have to be strong and be able to perform the task without jeopardizing their health. So that's one reason that these agencies really like to breed these dogs so that they can really track the bloodline and make sure that they have the physical capabilities to become a working dog and to last a long time because that's a big issue when you get a dog. You want it to really be able to have as long of a working life as possible. 
And people always ask me that question, how long can a dog work? Well, the dogs are trained for the first two years of their life. And the first year, they usually live with a puppy raiser. And that puppy raiser teaches them basic obedience and also socializes them and takes them out into public into all different types of situations so that they can help the puppy build its confidence so that it can be confident getting on public transportation. It can be confident and comfortable being at a concert with thousands of people or being at a big sporting event. So they try to get the dogs into as many social situations as possible. And once the dog is about a year old, it then goes to advanced training where the dog leaves its puppy raiser's home and goes to a training facility. And again, depending on the agency and what their policies are, the dogs usually stay in advanced training for eight months to a year. And during this time, they start learning more of the advanced commands, like how to help someone pull their socks off, or how to open and close doors, push elevator buttons, and, you know, do some of the more um, specific tasks that a person with a disability might need. And then once they complete the advanced training, they then are placed with an individual with a disability. And I always tell people, you know, if you're thinking about getting a service dog or a type of an assistance dog or you want to be a puppy raiser, you know, you really need to ask the agencies what their policies are. How do they select dogs? How do they raise them? How do they assign dogs to an individual with a disability, will you own the dog or will the agency continue to own the dog? What are their policies on retirement and getting a successor dog? Because usually a good healthy service dog can usually work eight to ten years and that also depends on the level of physical assistance that they have to provide to their person. For me, my first service dog, Ramona, She was retired at seven, so she and I were only together five years before she had some health problems that caused her early retirement, which was really devastating for me, and I was just, she and I were really in tune with each other and so in sync with each other at that time that it was really devastating for her to be retired. Now, my second dog, Morgan, he was actually retired after he had worked for eight years, which was awesome. So he was about 10 years old when I started noticing that he was having some health problems and he was slowing down. And I started realizing that he really needed to think about retiring. So I started retiring him slowly and I talked with my agency and told them what I was seeing in Morgan. And it was really a beautiful process where he could start just scaling back a little bit, not working full-time, but where he still felt like he was working, and I could transition him into retirement. And at the same time, my agency was actually preparing my successor dog, which is Whistle. So, you know, you really want to talk to them about the processes and how that works before you're in there where you're really having to ask some tough questions. It's better to ask those tough questions up front, not only as a service dog recipient, 
recipient, but also as a puppy raiser, because you want to know as a puppy raiser, what happens if my dog doesn't make it? Because it's really a small amount of the dogs. Actually, it's usually about a 30% success rate of the dogs that actually go from puppies all the way to being a working dog and being placed with an individual with a disability. So you really want to ask, can you get your dog back, get the puppy back? How do they place the puppies if not? And what that process is. So you really want to make sure that you're compatible with your agency because you want to know that your values align with their values so that you're not down the road and, and heartbroken. So it's really, it's really good to choose the agency that's best for you, both, again, as an individual with a disability and someone that's thinking about being a puppy raiser or a volunteer. So how are the dogs placed once they complete advanced training? And again, I'll I'll say that each agency is different. And I've worked with two agencies. Um, My first agency, I actually had to go away to a training facility. And I went to New York and was out on Long Island. They had a wonderful training facility there. And I was there for two weeks where I was with a group of about five other people with disabilities. So it was a small group of us. And we met the whole group of dogs that they had identified that had completed advanced training and were ready to be placed. And it was really cool how they did the assessment. And they put us in a room and they let these dogs loose and they ran all over the room and they jumped all over our wheelchairs and the dogs were checking us out and the trainers were seeing how the dogs were interacting with us so that they could start making the assessments of which dogs would be most compatible with which individuals and they call that a team training or I guess it really is a team training where they're looking at partnering the individual with the disability and their canine partner so for me I was at this training facility for two weeks and I worked several different dogs that they tried with me but for various reasons different dogs didn't work out so after a few days all of my classmates had been placed with their dogs and here I'm sitting here still dogless I was heartbroken and I was starting to feel like I was wondering if I was ever going to get a dog because it just seemed like for more reasons than one that different dogs didn't work out and as I was just about to give up the head trainer walked over to me and she took my hand and she put a leash around my wrist and I looked down at the end of that leash and it was the most beautiful black lab I had ever laid eyes on and it was my little angel Ramona and she looked up at me with those brown eyes and I looked at her into her eyes and I said you're the one this is it and it was she was it and from then on she and I were inseparable and I completed the advanced training with her the team training and we graduated together and it was just one of the most amazing experiences of my life because I just didn't realize, you know, I had seen things on TV. I had been a woman with a disability for years and years. I thought I was pretty independent. But until I was placed with Ramona and really started bonding with her, trusting her to help me 
and to realize the ways that she could help me and things that I needed that as a person with a disability, I had really given up on. I really had let go of and just thought that that was something in life that I wasn't going to get to experience because I had tried driving and I had driven with hand controls, but I had had a couple of bad falls in transferring out of my car into my wheelchair, and I was really scared to do that. I was scared as a woman with a disability to be out on my own in a parking lot and fall out of my wheelchair or drop my car keys and not be able to get them. So I had given up driving, and my poor husband had to drive me everywhere. And I'll never forget, after I'd had Ramona for just a few months, and she and I were, it was the end of the work day, and we were sitting there waiting in the lobby for my husband to come pick us up, and she was laying there so regally at my feet. And I looked at her, and I said to her, I said, you know, There's no reason why we have to wait for anybody to come pick us up anymore because with her and her abilities and me and my abilities, I knew that I could start driving again, that I didn't have to be afraid of those things, that there was no reason why I couldn't get an accessible vehicle and she and I couldn't be more independent. So that's exactly what I did. I decided that I was going to get a vehicle that was accessible and I was going to get a power wheelchair that would make me more independent. And with Ramona's skills and her devotion, there was nothing that could stop us. And that's exactly what we did. And very soon I started getting more promotions at work. I started doing more volunteer work in my community because I had the independence and the gift of her and her abilities that enabled me to be a more productive citizen and to be more successful in my personal life. So, you know, it's really hard to explain that to people. And it was hard for me to even get it as a person with a disability until I had the service dog in my life and I learned how to use her and to maximize her skills with my limitations that really made me a more independent person. Well, our time today is coming to an end, and that's our segment of part one. So I hope you'll come back and join me for part two, where we'll talk more about the specific types of tasks that assistance dogs can perform. So we've got a lot more to talk about, and I hope you'll come back really soon and join us again at Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.